HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and heritage. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. We have a special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Are you ready? What shape are you? I'm sort of a teardrop shape, but I'm constantly changing. Hmm. What color are you? I'm orange, yellow, red, and sometimes blue. Wow, that's a lot of really beautiful colors. Are you grown or made? I'm usually started by someone. This is a really hard one. Now, I don't think this is a food, is it? Can you give me some hints? I'm one of the most important things humans figured out how to control. I'm not a food, but I'm very involved in making food more delicious, nutritious, and edible. And I also help keep you warm. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. One more question. Where can I find you? Outside, on the ground, often in a circle of rocks. Can you guess what I am? A campfire! Hannah, I hear you're going camping this week. I am. I'm so excited. Um, I'm actually planning on taking our listeners along with me for a little bit. Um, Can't wait to leave the city behind and spend some time outside. And what are you planning to cook while you're camping? I have a bunch of ideas. One of them is inspired by our friend Aaron, whose voice you heard in our Homebound episode, which is our second episode, I believe, if you haven't listened to that yet. It's fabulous. So Aaron and his mom made the suggestion of cooking potatoes in a campfire by wrapping them in tinfoil and sticking them among the hot coals. And I've never tried that, so I'm really excited to try because I've got some nice cheese and some tomato, and I'm really excited to make some yummy snacks. I, of course, have some hot dogs, which are essential, and... Last but not least, the ingredients to make the absolute best campfire treat, s'mores. 
Yes. Do you have any recommendations for me, Harry? What do you like to cook when you're camping? Because you were camping like a week ago. Yes, I was. I just went camping and we cooked all of our food on the campfire. I made my food on, in, and around the fire. So I cooked a steak on top of the flames on a grate. Uh, I did put some sweet potatoes right into the coals. And I cooked a chicken stew in a Dutch oven. That's a cast iron pot with a lid. And that I just also just put right into the fire and kept a close eye on it. And it turned out delicious. I like cooking in a campfire because it it gives all of the food kind of a nice like smoky and woody flavor. And I think it's nice to realize that you don't need all the things you have in your kitchen to make food. That's so true. Sometimes you can really surprise yourself when you have limited resources in the kitchen because you get more creative. Um, And in this case, when you're out of the kitchen, outside. And especially if you've just had to hike to get to your campsite or paddle a canoe, all of your food tastes so good. That's very true. It's kind of like after a day at the beach or a day on a hike, nothing will ever be as delicious as that first meal that you get to eat or the first time you get to sit down and relax in the shade. Well, I'm really excited. Enjoy your trip. Thanks. Why did the robot go camping? He needed to recharge his batteries. Did you hear about the kidnapping in the woods? It was okay. He woke up. What's a tree's favorite drink? Root beer. Now it's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in the episode, so keep an ear out. What year did the recipe for s'mores first appear? Ooh, that's such a good question. Okay, be sure to listen for the answer. Today's program is brought to you by Emmy Cheese. Specialty cheese from Switzerland, made with heart and heritage. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of small farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best-tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for being the number one importer of Swiss Gruyere in the United States, in addition to many other specialty cheeses, including premium Kaltbach cave-age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Moine, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Francis Malman is a chef who specializes in cooking over fire. He's from Argentina and has worked in restaurants all over the world. His books on live fire cooking are great resources. And maybe, if you're lucky, someday you'll find him in your town or city, tending a fire and cooking up some delicious food. What I love about fire is, you know, the it's sort of a language of life, I think. The idea of a going outside and, and, and taking in your pocket a tiny fire, and I sometimes take just a couple of eggs and, and an onion and a little salt in my pocket, and, you know, and you can cook it on a stone, in a hot stone. So there's not much really that you need to to cook nicely outside and to have a fire. And and I love that idea, you know, sort of get out, get off your chair and, and go out. Fire is one of the main things that sets humans apart from the rest of the animal kingdom. 
we can control fire, and this allows for things like living in cold environments and cooking food, making it more delicious and nutritious. I think there there is this sort of idea that cooking with fire has to do with the summer and a beautiful day. And I think it has a lot to do with winter, you know. I love to be out in the rain. You may make yourself a little shelter for it. I love to cook in the snow. We do it a lot, you know. It's so, so romantic. There's this idea that cooking with fire is sort of a male thing, you know, and it's a rough thing. And, and, and I, I, really, I really think and I believe that fire is an extremely tender thing and feminine, very fragile, you know, because it can crack. You can crack a, a, the way you're cooking something very fast if you are not really looking into it and you're not very aware of temperatures and wind and so on. Late last winter, I tapped our maple trees with my kids, and we made maple syrup over a fire. It was really fun to be out in the cold, stoking the fire and spending the day working on the fire and being outside. It's a silent language. It's a beautiful language. And, you know, it's simple, but you need quite a bit of knowledge. And the only way to learn it, the only way to learn it is to to practice, you know. So, you know, I think that maybe the first step is just to burn a big fire in your backyard on your own and sit in a chair and, and, and see what happens as it burns down. You know, and you will see all the stages. You will see the flame, you will see the charcoals, and then the ashes. And those three elements uh, we use a lot for cooking. We use the ashes, we use the coals, and the flames. You need patience for f- cooking with fires, and I think that's the beauty of it, you know, pulling up a chair and looking your things cook and uh, and learn how, where, and when to add wood, depending on the wind, depending on how your beast looks when it's cooking and it's sort of getting crispy. Uh, so there's a whole language there that you have to learn, and we can talk about it, and I can tell you many details, but the, the true way of learning is to do it, you know, because uh, it's very nice, you know. I, I love to sit around my fires and... and I can tell just by looking at them what's happening with them, you know. The wind change, so we change the position of, of the food. We change the way the, the, the place where the fire is. We move it here, we move it there because, you know, you're outside and things change a lot outside in 12 hours, you know. You can start with a beautiful sunny day and suddenly you're in the rain and sun, suddenly you're in, in, in the sun again, you know. That happens to us very often. So you have to learn that, and timing is very important. Great words from a master of fire. So, with your parents' help, you can learn to make a fire and then learn to cook on, in, and around the fire. Remember that you need to have a grown-up around if you're going to be near fire, and you should always have water nearby in case you need it. Next up, some tips from our friends, the Hughes family in Texas. Hi there. My name is Kim, and one thing that our family loves to do is to make campfires. This past year, my kids learned how to make fires themselves, making mini fires to start with. We took an aluminum pan, filled it with sand, found teeny tiny sticks and kindling and tinder to help construct fires and then practice things like lighting a match. We, of course, went over how to be safe with the campfire first. This was all part of a lesson that we did for our Girl Scout troop, but I thought it was a great thing for kids of any age to learn and my kids are only 10 and 12. In doing so, they were able to learn how to make a fire that they can either use to keep warm or also to cook with. 
So either when we go camping or just at our own backyard in our fire pit, they're able to make a fire and we usually roast things on sticks, but sometimes we also make foil packs or even use a Dutch oven to cook different items in. When roasting things in foil packs, one of my friends loves to put meatballs, cabbage, and all different vegetables in them, put them in the foil pack and put them in the fire and get them toasty, warm, and cooked. On our last camping trip, though, we experimented with making baked potatoes, and my son Aaron can tell you about that. So first, we got baked potatoes. We oiled them, and then we got sea salt and put it on them, and then we wrap them in aluminum foil, and then we tuck them into the nice toasty embers for, for a half hour, and it was delicious. What did we put on top of them? Oh yeah, we put, um, well, you can put anything on them, whatever you like. For me, I just put butter and cheese, and that, and bacon. And bacon, and I put sour cream, bacon, butter, cheese, the whole business. Thank you so much to the food scene for sharing that excellent interview with Francis Malman. I think we're ready for a dance break. Welcome back to Time for Lunch. After we've danced it out, we're going to head into some fun facts. Campfires can get up to 900 degrees after just a few hours. And the coldest part of the flame is the red, while the hottest is blue and white. The first man-made fire is thought to have been in South Africa. There's evidence from charred antelope bones that shows about 1.9 million years ago, people were cooking meat over a fire. A little more recently, s'mores first appeared in a 1927 edition of the Girl Scout Handbook. The name itself is a fun combination of the word some more. Earth is the only planet where fire can burn because fire needs three things, heat, fuel, and oxygen and no other planet has oxygen in its atmosphere. One other thing that we love to do with campfires is to roast marshmallows and make s'mores. And because we're Girl Scouts as well, my daughter and I had a big s'more thing a while ago that we love to do every once in a while. Hi. Um, one thing that we did with s'mores is a few years back for my ninth birthday, I believe, we made a s'more bar just in our backyard and we had all sorts of stuff to construct our s'mores. For marshmallows, we of course had the traditional jet puffed marshmallow, but we also used things like peeps, which were so cool to roast and tasted absolutely delicious. We also had Andy's mints instead of chocolate if you wanted and had stuff like jelly, apples, and bananas, and all sorts of yummy stuff. Um, another thing that we did, as my mom mentioned, is as since we are Girl Scouts, for our caroling for cans a while back, we 
had a fire going and we invited the community to come drop off some cans and we had hot cocoa and had them roast s'mores. A lot of people really enjoyed it and it was so fun to just enjoy it together as a community. It was. And a lot of the people, we were amazed, a lot of the kids had never roasted a marshmallow and had never even had a s'more. So it was exciting for us to introduce that to them. With our uh, fancy s'more bar, some things that we also added to it was we had lots of different types of cookies or crackers to put the s'mores on. And so we had different combinations and even wrote down recipes of ones that we really enjoyed. So we would have that for future reference. Campfires are a great way to have some fun and learn a new skill, but also just to make some memories and have fun as a family. It was a dark and stormy night. Frank, Olivia, and I were out ghost hunting when we heard something in the woods not far from us. <sighs> the leaves on the trees right in front of us rustled. And out popped our cat Snuffles. Something was wrong. He refused the cat food we randomly had. We also noticed that his eyes were glowing red. We grabbed our ghost zappers and zapped away. We saw that the ghost was our weird Uncle Tiverton, who died when we were just four years old. We got Snuffles back home safe and sound. But Uncle Tiverton still haunts the woods of Charlestown, Rhode Island. Dun, dun, dun. This was a true story by Frank, Olivia, and Moxie. At the beginning of the episode, we asked, What year did the recipe for s'mores first appear? And the answer is, S'mores first appeared in a 1927 edition of the Girl Scout Handbook. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch. We'll be back next week with more tasty stories. The show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Fortin, with engineering by Liam Warner. Emily Kunkel is our associate producer. Thanks to Kim and Aaron Hughes, Moxie and Frank Rosenblum, and Olivia Cullen for sharing their voices on the show today. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Liam Warner composed our Fun Facts song. Special thanks to Michael Harlan Turkell for use of the audio from his interview with Francis Mallman from The Food Scene, episode 215. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. This program is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. Please stay in touch, whether you have a joke you'd like to share or if you'd just like to tell us what you had for lunch. We love to hear from our listeners. Send us your recipes, poems, book recommendations, or anything else you think we'd like, especially related to going back to school. It's easy to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone. You can ask a grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include your name, age, and your address so we can send you something in return. Thanks for listening! <laughs>